Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Lineup with Dave Prodan. I'm Dave Prodan, and this is yet another replay episode. Uh, originally, we were going to have a new conversation with Connor Coffin up today, which Connor and I did record last week. But that's been rescheduled to drop in the next couple of weeks here. We will, however, return with new episodes starting next Tuesday, and we appreciate your patience in the interim. Today's episode is a re-air, but before we get to that, uh, a few things. This show, ideally, is a podcast about conversations on surfing and hopefully everything inside and outside the surfing world that these conversations touch. At its best, I like to think that surfing can be a window to broader cultures and people and places and hopefully develop broader perspectives, which I hope is a, a positive for humanity as a whole. Now, surfing as an act is something that I personally think will be around as long as there are waves, which requires a healthy ocean, and as long as human beings retain a capacity for curiosity, which I guess requires a number of things, uh, not all of which are guaranteed to us in 2022. However, professional surfing or elite boundary-breaking surfing, whether that includes the WSL or the industry or the media or even the high levels of quality equipment that you get to enjoy as a surfer these days is arguably contingent on a relatively functioning society. And I, as I've talked about in the past, whether it's the George Floyd murder or the January 6th insurrection, general human rights abuses, I have a difficult time talking about surfing without acknowledging the real world issues that are happening around us. I am not an expert. I certainly don't have a working knowledge of everything that we face around the world every day, but we are very fortunate to live our lives getting to surf. That doesn't give us permission to be ignorant of what's happening to people in our lives or our communities, our countries, the world at large. In America last week, the US Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade, eliminating the federal protection of the right to abortion across the country and in the process launching a shameful assault against women's personal autonomy and their status in society. This was done by a court where five of the nine appointed justices were given their positions by presidents that actually lost the popular vote in America. The overturning of Roe versus Wade is the most aggressive assault on women I've ever seen in my lifetime, setting their personal rights back to the already unacceptable levels of 50 years ago. Women today, including my daughter, now have less rights than their mothers did growing up. And that right there is not an opinion or a biased news take or a quote unquote both sides argument. It is a fact. It is disgraceful and disgusting. And I'm personally ashamed to be alive to see it happen. For listeners who uh, feel similarly, I would encourage you to speak to the women in your life, uh, all of them, and check in see how you can support them right now. And if you're able, donate to local women's healthcare clinics and centers. They need your support in a major way. And get organized. Join the already set up organizations fighting these fights and fighting for women's rights and vote. Uh, it matters. We got here uh, largely because minority but fundamentalist Christo-fascist entities were singularly focused on this issue for 50 years. If nothing else, they are organized, but 
they demonstrably do not represent the majority of Americans or people in the world on this issue. It is wrong and we should be committed to writing it. Now, for listeners that uh, don't agree with what I'm saying and or are already typing their angry notes about me shutting up, I will offer the following. I grew up going to church and I actually understand now uh, better than I did then, but still drawing off those experiences that religion and a belief in something have a lot of personally positive benefits to offer. A major one is the community of individuals you end up having to support you. Life is not easy. Existence is not easy. It's, it's very scary. And it's scary to think about what happens when it's over. I, I totally get that. And I understand how religion can be a balm for those fears. However, even when I was still going to church, a key emphasis was that religion is personal. And if you personally want to believe in something, so long as you're not hurting other people, that's great. I still 100% support that. What I don't support and what I don't think really any rational-minded person supports is the forcing of beliefs on other people, particularly through institutions like the court or the government at large that are meant to be operating in absence of these personal biases. Yet that's exactly what happened last week. It's the theocratically inspired forcing of religious beliefs onto a society that do not share those beliefs. And in the process, it is a violent assault on women. And as is always the case with these things, people that are in the most vulnerable groups. I know there's a lot of overlap between the surfing community and religion, particularly Christianity, which is both understandable and, and mind boggling at the same time. And I know a lot of surfers who are Christians. Don't, support this way of forcing beliefs onto other people. Don't, don't support this approach that will actively and objectively hurt people in your lives and in your communities and far beyond that. I'm not a religious person anymore for a lot of reasons, but I know that actively hurting people and demonizing people who weren't like them was not what Jesus was about. It's actually quite the opposite, according to scripture. It's insane how much and how quickly it's changed for the worse. I know that not everyone appreciates these conversational departures from surfing, but I, I can't and I don't want to ignore things that are hurting people in my life. The immediate effects and the ripple effects of what happened last week are really significant. And I hope we can all work to get to a better place because uh, people in our lives deserve that. I appreciate you listening to me on this. All right. Today's re-air is from our original batch of test podcasts way back in November of 2019. Flash forward to today, he is the WSL number one surfer on the 2022 rankings and as of recording is still mowing through the Oireo Pro presented by Corona. Please enjoy the lineup's November 2019 conversation with Sao Paulo's Felipe Toledo. A good old clap, take one. That's right. How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did. I wanted to be world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest? We can shut your fucking lips. And then I'll just say, put them up once. It's got. He's like, you look too pretty on the wave. Get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. It's up to your boxes. (laughs) 
Okay, so I I started with the ASP in 2006, and I was in North America. So like all the North America events were a big deal, and the media was a big deal. And I remember in 2011 going to the U.S. Open and the Pro Junior Final having John John Florence, Connor Coffin, Kolohan Dino, and this kid that no one knew, Felipe Toledo. He had awesome painted boards. Yep. And he smoked everybody. <laughs> Uh, tell me the story of that week when you beat everybody. Well, wow, that was that was actually super funny. It was interesting because I was um, at that time I was sponsored by Billabong, and then I had like six months with no sticker on the nose on my board, and you know we're having conversations with different sponsors, and we ended up signing up with uh, Nike at the time. So I what I did I was like because from Ubatuba to São Paulo is like four hour drive, so like we drove four hours, got in São Paulo on Friday, we signed a contract. On Saturday, I was flying to, to California, you know, for the U.S. Open. My first time ever in California. And um, so I got there and I was meeting all these people from Nike, you know, like big bosses and, you know, like athletes. I remember it was actually the first time I met Laura Never, Carissa Moore, you know, Julian Wilson, Nat Young, all these guys. I was like, whoa, that's crazy, you know, man. It's it's right here is the big deal. And I got the wild card for the junior and for the for the pro as well. And I could barely speak English at that time. You know, just hi, I want a coffee, cheeseburger, and Coca-Cola. That's it. Essentials. That was it. Yeah. yeah, that was it. So, yeah, I got there. I was staying with uh, Scooby and Alejo. And, you know, it was my first seat. So nervous. New sponsor. All the bosses were over there. You know, at that time was sponsored by Nike, the event. And first seat, I served kind of well. And then, you know, by the end, I was needing a score with, you know, 30 seconds, I took off in a wave and just went for a big air, you know, backhand air. And Landa got the score, you know, everyone was like, oh, that's cool, that's cool. And then since that first heat, till I got to the semifinal, every time I turned the heat with like a minute, 30 seconds, 45 seconds in the end, you know, like it was just so excited every time, you know, the heat. And he was, um, and then I got in the final with, you know, the three big names of, you know, North America, Lohead, John and Connor. And at that time, you know, like I knew those guys and they're like, oh, that's Kolohe, that's, you know, John and Connor. But it was not something that I was like, oh, my God, like Mick Fanny, like, you know, Andy Irons, you know, it was not something really huge for me. Mm. I was like, OK, yeah, I know they're you surf could, really you good. You beat them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know, you know, they're they're pretty big names. But I mean, I got this, you know, I was like I was really excited and, and it was fun. You know, like Kolohe started really well, I think. And then John got well, got a wave and I got one on the inside. You know, through like a big air and landed. And on the way back, I got another insider, you know, that gave me the same ramp, another big air and got a pair of sevens, I think. And the best part of it was like when I was in the podium, you know, got the trophy. And I remember the time, I think it was Dave. I think he was doing the- Dave the, Stanfield. Yes. Yep. And he asked me, now I, I know why he asked me, you know, he was like, oh yeah, can you tell us about, about you know, like how was your travel, how was your journey to get here? You know, like how's your week, you know, like how's the new sponsor and how's, you know, like, to beat all these guys in the final. And as I said, I could barely speak English. I didn't even understand a word he asked me. <laughs> I was like, I had, you know, like I had a phrase already in my mind, what I was going to say. I was like, thank you so much for everyone. I'm super stoked. And what did I say? Uh, and then I was like, thank my sponsors and thank you, my family. That was it. And everyone's laughing so hard. I was like, well, okay. You know, I didn't even understand what was going on. But um, that was funny. You know, that was probably the main event, you know, for me to like to show up in the international media. I mean, do you look back and think that that week like transformed your entire life? 
in for a lot sure. of ways. For sure, yeah, for sure. First time I actually did an interview in English. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's funny you say that. I mean, I, I don't really know of any instance where, like, so say, like it was reversed and John or Colohe or Connor went to Sao Paulo and won, like. You know, they wouldn't ask them the question in Portuguese. Yeah. It's yeah. different, right? It's, you know, it's it's English, you know, it's global language and, you know, everyone got to speak English. Yeah. We're sure. going to try to change that, you know, since we're majority on tour right now, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because this came up. I was talking to um, one of the elder Australian statesmen from the industry and he was really praising Brazil, you know, mm-hmm. um, obviously. And we're asking about the Australian class on tour right now and his opinion was well you know it actually took like 30 years for Brazil to lay the groundwork to have the Brazilian storm you know Flavio and Neko and those guys really laid the track for you guys to come on and come on in such a big way you know is that something you guys think about oh yeah that's for sure you know if it wasn't by all these guys Fabio, Flavio, and, you know, even Neko, you know, that was, that was on tour. And, you know, all these guys, you know, they, they opened the door for us, for us to be here today. And, you know, it was, it was, it was different times, you know, like at that time they were just, you know, surfing, just surfing, you know, it was not something really professional or something that you needed to train and, you know, get really focused. And it was just for fun, you know, they're making money out of it and, just partying and you know traveling places and just enjoying the moment and then you know once we got you know our chances we're like wow okay it's you know it's different you know we can actually live you know from that from surfing we can buy a house we can you know get our family together you know it's it was just something bigger you know we um we understood that and you know, we were just like, okay, let's let's do it. Let's make it happen. You know, let's train, let's focus, you know, and let's, you know, enjoy this. But at the same time, like, take it super serious, you know, because it was only one chance for us, I think, you know, to really go over there and, you know, and win and get all the sponsors, get opportunities. And because coming from Brazil, all those guys, they didn't have any opportunities. You know, it was, it was always super hard for them to... Yeah, a major sponsor, like a really big sponsor that was going to support them the whole year or different equipment, you know, like a brand new board or a brand new leash and all this, you know, these little things that today we have. So, yeah, I think that's why we're taking more in a professional way, you know. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. 
and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. When I started on tour, it was 05, 06. And it's kind of like you go to a new school yep. and it's the cafeteria and like no one wants to eat with the new kid. Yeah. And so it wasn't like, you know, at night or in the morning you'd rock up and be like, Kelly, move over. Like, let's let's share a milkshake together or something like. And at the time, um, Adriana was on tour and mm. Hator and uh, Neko. Okay. And I got really close with them yep. like because because they were really open to it and they had really interesting stories and I feel like at the time the, most of the surfing world wasn't paying attention to it yep. you know and it, it's one of those things that I think the information age like the internet everything if you think 25 years ago the only time you'd get to see world-class surfing was when the tour came to town yep and now everyone has access to training shaping equipment um, they get to see the world's best surfers all the time so the development regardless of where you're from is about the same. And so the point of difference really becomes like motivation. Yep. Right. And I think that's, would you agree that that's like a big thing for, for why Brazil has been so successful? Um, yeah, you know, I agree with you. It's, um, a good example of that. It's, uh, Jaddy, you know, Jetson, you know, he's, you know, he has a family of what, nine people, mm -hmm. you know, that he has to take care of yeah. house and, you know, bills and put food in their houses. And, you know, it's, uh, it's that, big thing that motivates jets into you know requalified to back-to-back -back years and yeah. you know um do the qs has been in the road the road forever and do the cts and go here and go over there and you know like it's it takes a lot from you you know um it is the dream tour it's amazing to be in the tour go beautiful places but it takes a lot from you you know and to be doing that for so many years you know like adriano like jaddy you know, Raoni did, Neko, yeah. you know, all these guys. It was definitely something behind them, you know, motivate, motivating them. You know, like family or just a kid or, you know, just a house or a build that he needed to pay. You know, it was like, yeah. even if it was like really small, but it was just like, that's my chance right there. You know, like one heat, you know, I can pay the view and have a little extra money to make it to the another contest you know i that that's that was the main thing and it's funny you say that like i think that hunger is like maybe the most important characteristic and if you look back at all the world champs like men's and women's for like 43 years none of them necessarily came from a lot mm. you know i remember even in kelly slater's book like he would talk about his early years on tour and he'd be like wow if we, if we may if i make another heat i can buy like a couch yeah, my house, you yeah. know, like, and I, I, it's a huge thing. It sounds real, so small. It's just, a, just a couch, but it's just like it's my opportunity, you know, like to make that heat and get a really good couch from it from a house. That that's you know, I think still like like that nowadays, you know. Yeah. Even though like you see Gabriel, like millions of followers, even me got you know a couple thousands of followers. It's just like, oh, okay, he got it, he got. 
sponsors and everything, but we still have a life, you know, <laughs> bills to pay and everything. So um, that's why we, you know, I think Brazilian or the Brazilian storm has been so successful in, you know, in everything. For sure. And your dad's a great surfer. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, not today. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he, he, he was he's a been, national yeah. champ, right? Yeah, I was like two, three times Brazilian champ. Yeah. Yeah. So it, so dad got you into surfing. Yes. Yeah. yeah he, was, he was the one that put me on the surfboard with nine months. Nine months. <laughs> yeah, I was like. All right. So everyone listening to this, that's the yep. standard. <laughs> but he didn't. It's funny because he didn't force it us to be like surfer you know because i surf my younger brother surf my older brother surfs and she didn't force anything you know on us. he was we're like okay let's go beach day we had a ball we had you know like all those other toys and we had a surfboard as well yeah you know whenever we wanted to play with the surfboard yeah it was there you know we we see it a lot i'm sure you've seen it a lot too um and as surfing gets bigger you see a lot of parents really pushing yeah like you have to surf you have to surf yeah. and your father now too and so am I, you know, and it's one of those things where it's like, I've seen it go bad so many times. It's like, if you don't want to surf, that's yeah, okay. Yeah, kid gets like two, 12 years of age. He goes like, I hate surfing. Yeah. I don't want to do it anymore. Because yeah. you're pushing way too hard. Yeah. Did you guys ever do anything else like soccer or anything? I'm, I try to do everything Yeah. with them. You know, they took them to swim class, to play guitar, to soccer, volleyball, whatever they want to do, you know. Like, yeah. They see things on TV or, you know, just on YouTube thing, you know, just watching. And it's like, oh, I want to do this. I want to go dance. It's like, yeah, let's go. You know, yeah, just yeah. take them to classes everywhere, whatever they want to do. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not here to force them to like, no, I'm, I was a surfer. You got to be a surfer. You got to be a surfer. Of course, I was going to be really happy if they're surfers. You know? <laughs> of course. You know, but. Um, what about when you were a kid? Did you ever have anything else that maybe distract not distracted but you, you were like maybe i'll be a soccer player or maybe i'll do this yeah I, was, I used to play soccer every day what was your every position day. i was i was always in the front you know i was always Fast. trying to score <laughs> <laughs> but um you know because where i used to live we had like a little you know a soccer field small one mm. it was but it was just like the guys from you know this little it was like four or six uh streets there everyone was so tied together you know Every day is like go to houses, calling everyone to go play soccer or, you know, just walk around and do things. And um, it was it was something really fun. Sometimes I was like, no, I'm not surfing today. I'm just playing soccer, you know. Sure. It, was, it was just something fun. And my dad wasn't forcing me. And um, I think that's why, you know, it turned turned out to be so natural for me to like, oh, okay. One day I was like, oh, you know, this, this feeling is like it's something different, you know. Right. That soccer doesn't give me. Yeah. So I'm like. Okay, we're out there. Let's go. I'm a surfer. <laughs> yeah. And so you become a surfer. And you're right. Like that, it hooks you. And it's like, I, this is different than anything else I got. So I'm going to yeah. do this forever, whether I'm a professional or not. Yeah. Walk me through that feeling to realizing you were really good to being like, this could be my career. Like, what what did that look like for you? So, um, I think there was like two times of my life that I, you know, I remember you know, one was like I was about seven or eight years old, and I was competing on the on the on the amateur events in in São Paulo State, and I've I I won like two or three events, and then it was like four events, you know, total, and then and then I got second in the last one, and I still you know won the rankings and everything, so I was a champion, like under the it was the under ten. I was like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. You know, like, oh, I want to be a surfer. You know, at that time, I was like, okay, I want to be a surfer. That's that's for sure. And then 
you know, all those years went by. And then I was like 15 to 16 years old. I did my first um, professional event mm -hmm. in Brazil. It was a national one. And, you know, I was just making true hits. And I got in the, in the quarterfinals. My dad goes like, okay, in the quarterfinals, if you win, I would do like a really bad haircut, you know. And that thing motivated me, you know. I was like, okay, I'm, now I'm going to win. Now, <laughs> man, you're done. And then I, I went there. I won the whole thing. It was funny because I made the semifinal with Holly Batista, which used to be in the QSs, yeah. and Luel Felipe, which is still competing nowadays. And I won the event. And that day, you know, I was like, okay, I want to be a professional surfer. Right. Now, you know, like that's, that's I'm going to start my career right here, you mm -hmm. know, as a professional surfer. So that day I turned out to be, you know, a professional surfer. You know, we went to ASP. We paid the, uh, a Braspe, which was the Brazilian Association. We paid the tax and it was like, okay, now I'm a professional surfer. <laughs> what did dad's haircut look like? Uh, he was like Ronaldo in the, in the World Cup. Remember that? <laughs> Just a little thing here in front. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, Ronaldo looked cool at the time, but not my dad. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's a look. It was funny. So at that time, oh, you were surfing for Billabong. I was surfing for Billabong at the yeah. time. And what what did what did mom and dad do at the time? Did you guys for work? Did did you guys come from a lot or? Um, or so yeah, or? my dad my dad worked at the at um, you know um, how do you call it from for the he worked for the city. Yep. You know, and uh, he used to be a, a surf teacher. Oh, okay. And every day from eight to twelve, and then from two to six, you know, he was working every day at the beach. Yep. And um, so he did that for 11 years and my mom was just, you know, doing to, things to at home. Yeah, yeah, taking care of the family. She she actually helped a lot. You know, she did like even, you know, like Brigadero, you know, Brigadero no. from, you know, it's like a chocolate thing, you know, we do in oh, Brazil. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. So she used to do that to sell on the beach, you know, while my dad was working, were yep. working. And she did that to help. She, uh, she used to, you know, um, buy like, girl sandals and you know put like little rocks you know shiny rocks on that you know do a couple of designs and sell that as well and um she, she you know she did a little bit of everything to yeah. help us but my dad used you know to do that and um he, he used to be sponsor at that time as well just a little sponsor like 500 bucks you know a month and nothing nothing much and then i got on billabong really young i was like nine i think mm. or a little less like eight or nine, yeah. And then, you know, just just a little amount of money as well just to help at home. And, right. you know, even that money I was using to help my mom and dad to pay, you know, a couple bills and um, used to get money borrowed from my grandma, you know, and my grandpa, you know, get checks and everything to go, you know, to the contest. Right. And, um, yeah, that was pretty much it. My dad used to be a surf teacher and my mom was just a housewife. Did it? Did it make you, how, how to make you feel to be able to earn money from surfing and then give that back to the broader family to be like, cool, I'm, I'm helping. Is it oh, it's amazing. You know, I even talk about that with them the other day, you know, just like, I don't want you guys to feel like, you know, like pressured by me, you know, like, oh, I'm here, we're here, you know, like you're, you know, um, giving money for us to leave here. You don't have to, you've got your family already. I'm like, you guys, I'm here because of you guys today, you know, like, yeah. You guys did everything you guys could for, for me to be here. And, of course, if it wasn't you guys, I don't know what it was going to be, you know? Of course. And, you know, I'm, like, super, super proud to, you know, today help them, you know, have a really good life here in California and, you know, 
they have like two cars. I have my car and, you know, they have a house. I have one and, you know, everything's working so good. And, you know, with all the sponsors I have too been supporting me a lot and, you know, for me to be able to, to give them a really good life. And, you know, even my two younger brother, my brother and my sister are going to college right now, you know, doing a really good thing. It's, I was like, you know, you know, but too, but if they finish school, well, what are they going to do? You know, yeah, just hanging in there with all the other kids, you know, that staying there in Britain, you know, Batuba as well. They're, you know, every time I go back, they're in the same spot doing the same thing. You know, just like, they don't change, you know? Yeah. Because, of course, it's so hard. Back just there. opportunity, right? Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. That, and that's, that's an amazing <clears throat> story just from the, I mean, because they're still very involved in your success as well. Yeah. So you guys roll really deep. And a lot of people on tour do. Like yeah. a lot of people have really big support mechanisms. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that, that's amazing. Yeah, and, and as you said, like, cool. I mean, is that, I mean, I don't know, was that ever a goal or when did that become a goal for you to say, I'm going to be really good at this and I'm going to get wherever it was, I'm going to get my family to a place where they have all these opportunities. I actually never thought about, about that. You know, it was just something natural that happened. You know, um, we went to Hawaii um, the year that I qualified, um, 2012. Mm -hmm. It was because um, I got in Hawaii and, you know, I got the the news that I was on tour on the next year. And they were over there with me. And then we we're just over there cruising, you know, and, and going around and you know, surfing and doing, you know, the Triple Crown and, um, and then they were like, oh, Hawaii is really cool, man. You should, should move to Hawaii and leave here. I was like, okay, you guys go. Go back to Batuba, you know. I'm not leaving over there. And then, well, I went next year. I went to my dad to Australia. And he goes like, oh, man, Australia is so cool. We should move here. You know, it's amazing. <laughs> I was like, man, you kidding me? Like, no, that's not happening. You know, I love you, Batuba. I love being with my friends. You know, I'm not leaving. And then the middle of the year, we went to Trestle event. And then it was actually the... No, yeah, there was there was a CT event. So we were there, and I was, and then I was like, my mom and dad was with me, and I was like, oh, this place is so amazing. I think that's probably the only place that I could leave. And they were like, okay, we're so, moving. You know, <laughs> let's go. And then next thing, 2014, we start, you know, um, doing all the paperwork. Immigration and, process. Oh, it, it takes a lot. You know, it's so many things to do, and it takes a lot of time. And in six months, we had everything, and you know, we we came up with the idea, you know, moving the family to Bob Hurley and Brandon Gilmer, Pat O'Connell. And they were like, amazing. Mm. Come on, we help you guys, you know. And we're like, whoa, you know, we never thought that was going to be that easy. And they were like helping us with, you know, housing, like renting a house mm. and getting, you know, like all the paperwork and everything. So um, July 17th, it was our first day here in California. Yeah. You remember I remember that. Yeah. That's amazing. It was right after my mom's birthday. <laughs> what a birthday present. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> it, it's a funny story about like everywhere we go on tour, your family's like, we could live here, we can live here. Yeah. My, my dad uh, traveled for work too. And when I started traveling for the job, he was like, yeah, I traveled a lot. Like you travel a lot. Like I traveled to Cincinnati. Like everywhere you go is really nice. Like, <laughs> you don't get to complain. Uh, but it's a little bit like that. Like you kind of, it is a dream tour in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, we're, we're actually, you know, in one spot for like two weeks, you know, of course, everything was going to be amazing. Just mm -hmm. like, okay, two weeks here was amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. 
And then, you know, like, okay, now imagine here for the rest of your life, you know, yeah. traveling, going places. And, you know, they, you know, they understand that too. And it's like, okay, we, we can't just do that. Just go, you know. Like, and then I think San Clemente, California was some, it was, it was a blessing for us. Manduka was founded in 1997 with the simple idea that a better yoga mat could make a world of difference. For generations, Manduka has revolutionized the yoga space by providing purposely crafted products that enable a more joyful practice, whatever that looks like for you. The collaboration between Manduka and Jerry Lopez honors Jerry's profound dedication to both surfing and yoga disciplines. The limited edition collection showcases Jerry's signature camouflage print inspired by his surfboards. It fuses his iconic surf style with Manduka's commitment to quality and sustainability, offering everyone a unique expression of their practice. We all know that having the right gear is essential and a yoga mat is no different. Feel the benefits of yoga with Manduka's soulfully engineered, eco-friendly products designed to inspire your practice wherever you go. The Manduka and Jerry Lopez collection want to inspire you to practice yoga however you choose to. And from now until June 10th, you will get 15% off of all products when you visit manduka.com with the code THELINEUP15. That's manduka.com code the lineup 1515 yeah you mentioned pat o'connell and bob hurley and brandon gilmatt who um, they're integral to the hurley program of which you are still very much a part of but you were you were one of the pillars of a really world-class Nike surfing program. And in 2011, it was maybe the biggest story of the year where those programs combined. And uh, that happened, I think, in Hawaii in November, December. Tell us that story of, of A, being a part of the Nike program and B, getting the news and joining the Hurley family. Um, yeah, it was, as you said, you know, it was a world-class program, you know, being with Nike, it was only, you know, just, just a few athletes. I remember me, Nat Young, Julian, Alejo. Chloe. Chloe was, yeah, he was over there at the time. I think it was just, you know, just a few surfers, not many people. And, and then we got the news, you know, everything was combining every, everyone's going to be in the same team as, you know, Hurley major sponsor. And, um, you know, it was just like, okay, well. You know, I'm 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 still here. You know, <laughs> I'm still having the sticker on the nose on my board. I'm still with the contract and and everything. And I mean, it didn't really change for me that mm. much. You know, it was just extra teammates. You know, for yeah. me. <laughs> but it was um, it was definitely you know uh you know a year that I spent with Nike being like really really amazing. Sure. Like, another level of treatment. You know, like just as you said, work class. It was yeah. it was really cool. How, how do you get along with your teammates at Hurley, or I guess, and even other programs like Sharp Eye or Monster or whatever? Hurley's probably the most appropriate one because mm. it's such a big international yeah. team. Do you get competitive with them for results or clips, or is it more kind of friendly? Like, how, how do you guys get along? Um, no, it's pretty easy, actually. You know, um, maybe for you. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, not for the other ones, maybe, you know, but I mean, I just, you know, I, I take as a, you know, I, as a family, you know, um, they're, they're my sponsors, you know, and I got a contract and, you know, nothing's going to change that, you know, unless I'm, I'm not doing the things that they want me to do, you know? And I feel like, you know, creating that, you know, that little 
you know, competitive thing between us. It's, I don't think it's going to help. Like, in a way, we're doing like, oh, we want to do a trip with everyone, you know, or just getting a trip. Someone's trying to be more and, you know, like, and gets in a, you know, in a situation which everyone is uncomfortable. Um, I don't, I'm not like that, you know, I just, you know, I try to get everyone together and, you know, everyone to be really happy and, you know, whoever gets the best photo, they got the best photo, it was his day and, or got the best clip, you know, whatever. I just, you know, I just want to surf and, you know, do really good for them. But, um, you know, it's... They're, they're always super cool. You know, Michelle, Julian, Ace, um, Kohe, you know, all, all the guys, they're always super, super fun and super um, friendly, especially especially with me, you know, that came from Brazil, mm. living here, probably the youngest one on the on the team. They, you know, they really took me as a, as a, as a family, you know, mm. so that was really cool. And it was such an interesting sequence of events, right? Because the teams combined in the end of the year and yeah. then right at the start of 2012 they announced they signed john john yep which is like whoa these are already a really big team and now you've got john but you and john seem like you're really close like he when he was filming a view from a blue moon like he made an effort or made an effort but part of the plan was going to brazil and you guys filmed a segment together like what's your relationship like to john oh uh, yeah um it was actually really cool to be a part of that um he you know when he he called me to do that. He's like, hey, man, you want to be a part of the movie? I was like, oh, yeah, for sure, man, of course. And um, I think that trip really got us super close to each other. Um, you know, we're just it was just me and him. You know, there was no other surfer together. So um, it was my chance to really get to know him and um, him to get to know me. And, you know, we're just sharing experiences and surfing and pushing each other. And, um, you know, it was, it, was, it was a trip, like, really... Um, really fun and, you know, um, productive, I want to say. And since that trip, you know, we're always texting and talking to each other, surfing, you know, whenever we had a chance and uh, filming together, you know, my filmer got really close to his filmer, you know, they were like, uh, you know, texting each other as well. And, you know, and I think he's kind of like me, you know, always in the good vibes and, trying to get everyone together, trying to make everyone happy and caring about people. And um, I think that's why we're like, you know, we kind of got together about that. You know, I, I think uh, knowing John a little bit, like I think he really thrives when he's around people that he knows do something better than him, you know, and he's not been shy about praising mm. how fast you surf and how progressive you are uh. and obviously your aerial abilities and he feeds off of that. And I think, you know, a lot of times in the past, you see a lot of people qualify for the tour and they go, I did it. I'm yeah. a world-class surfer. But it's such a huge level jump between the QS to the CT. And you compare that with someone like Adriano and others. And Adriano qualifies and he goes, no, I have a lot to learn. You know, yeah. like I'm not a complete surfer. And he develops this incredible power-based game. And he spends, you know, the winter living with Jamie O'Brien and yep. then wins the Pipe Masters, you know. Mm. Um, is that... Is that how you approach surfing too? Do you do you try to drive off of people that you think, oh, maybe that part of the surfing I can work on? Is that? Um, yes, you know, definitely, it's um, it's something that I you know try to do every day is improve and try to get better at everything I do. You know, especially surfing, and I know I'm not the best surfer in the world. You know, for people, you know, being fans, they're like, oh, you're the best surfer in the world. You mm -hmm. know. Like, Okay, yeah, I'm, uh, okay, I, I could be really good at what I'm doing right now, but there's a lot to learn still and a lot to improve. You know, like being honest here, there's 
I don't know when the next catalyst later is coming. I mean, I'm not the next catalyst later, you know, that's, mm. that's for sure. That's a fact. And it's, uh, you know, it's one in a million that, you know, comes to, to win 11 world titles. But, you know, I, I know I have the potential to win world titles and, you know, I, I know what I need to get better, what I need to improve. And that's what I think people when qualify, you know, when they get on tour, they look, you know, at their surfing and they go like, okay, there's like five points I need to improve, you know. Here are the five points. Okay, I'm going to go tropu, spend like a month. I'm going to go to, you know, a pipeline. If it's rail work, go Bells, go J-Bay, you know. You go try and improve every day. You try new boards and, you know, there's a lot of things that can actually improve. And Adriano, it's a good example of that, you know. He uh, spent like four months in Hawaii, five months in Hawaii pretty much, surfing with the bass, you know, uh, out there. And, you know, hard work pays off. You, you won the world title and pipe masters. It, it does happen a lot. Like I think a lot of times, especially because there's more attention on surfing now, surfers from the previous generation, people presume like they were complete surfers when they mm. arrived. But, you know, Mick and Joel openly admit that when they were rookies, they couldn't backhand barrel ride, you know, mm. and they did what you said. You know, they would go to Chopu and spend four to six weeks. Yep outside the event well and i mean just get comfortable that's the only way you can actually improve surfing you know yeah it's being in the ocean spending spending time out there there's no other way like it's not watch, watching clips on, on the internet that you're gonna get good you know you gotta you gotta be out there you gotta surf and because every wave is gonna be different you know every day is gonna be different it's not the wrench you know that which is everywhere is gonna be perfect and you can actually try the next one trying the next one trying the next one and get better mm. here you know at the ocean it's something different it, tides and winds and everything so you got to spend time out there do you think you're the fastest surfer in the world i mean i don't know man it's it's hard to say that but i'll say it i know i'm not the only one <laughs> but on that note i remember vividly your rookie year because you've had these seismic moments in your career and we've talked mm. a lot about them mm. and i mean in one even in the qualifying year i remember you doing like eight foot backhand rotation at Meriwether <laughs> like and people like lost their yeah, minds yeah, you were in yeah, the yeah. orange wetsuit and everyone's yep, like oh my yep. god so I think people always knew that you were a complete game changer as far as aerial surfing but I remember your rookie year we were at Bells mm. and I think it was sort of it was clean but kind of small like maybe yeah. three to four foot ring con and people mm. were like oh I don't remember who you had but people were like oh, I don't think he's an air guy but because you're so fast people were blown away by your rail game mm. like you would you consider speed like one of your greatest assets, whether it's in the air or on the face? And um, yes, you know, um, I agree with you. It's what I try to do in a wave, you know, go as fast as I can. And with that, you know, have the flow to, you know, go through turns and not digging the rail and, you know, making sure I have enough speed to do a big turn and at the same time gets more speed at the bottom, you know, so I have enough speed up there at the lip. So I think that's, you know, that's something really hard to have enough speed to, you know, like go as fast, you know, as you can. And people look at it as like, oh my God, he's so fast, mm. you know, and then at the same time have the flow, you know, to, to go between turns. And um, I think that's, that's one, you know, major point of my surfing right now. Yeah. I mean, in speed and surfing or competitive surfing used to mm -hmm. be associated with that surfer's really fast. Look, he did 20 turns. Yeah. But now it's like that surfer's so fast, he's doing like five massive turns. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and I think the judging criteria has done a good job over the last decade of rewarding power and innovation and just yep. seeing like the best surfing as opposed to quality over quantity yeah for sure i've i felt like it's funny to watch you know like especially j bay you know if you watch mick fanning doing like four huge carves and then you see like an under guy 
you know, blowing the tail, coming like one car floater, you know, hitting the lip and, you know, just like little reverse. And then you go like, well, it's like way cooler to watch Mick doing like four huge turns and then, you know, see the guy hitting the lip and, you know, like doing reverses at J-Bay. And then you hear the scores like score way harder for Mick Finney than the other guy, you know. Mm. But I feel like sometimes it's um, it's definitely, you know, the rail surfing and the power and the old school style, you know, it it definitely comes to play better than, you know, like some of the other surfing, you know, just like tricky surfing, I want to say. Yeah. But of course, depends on the conditions as well, you know. You you mentioned before, you know, Kelly's sort of a, a unique, like one in a million people's mm. ever going to do this, probably a bigger number. But, you know, every year there's tens of thousands of kids that compete like in junior, yep. right? And a very small percentage of them ever even compete on the QS and then an even smaller percentage ever qualify and then an even tinier percentage ever even win an event yep. and you've won a bunch of CT events there's a big difference between that big group and someone who will win a CT like that's that's really special um yeah you know um even nowadays there's there's people that have been on the tour forever and haven't won in CTs yet yeah and um all, you, there were always people like that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, and it's actually really, really hard. Yeah, you know, and oh, um, uh, it was definitely really special for me. And um, you know, I actually never thought about that. <laughs> you know, it's funny to think about that right now, and just really like, oh, I've, I've won like what seven, eight already, and it's just like, whoa, there's people here like been ten years on tour and they never won one. And yeah, it's uh, beyond I'm beyond grateful, you know, and and blessed to to win a couple events and to actually be, you know, what two years in a row now fighting for world title and it's hard it's so hard you know as you said coming from from the qs you know it's a, it's a totally different venue environment to you know like you surf qs is like four or five foot waves that you struggle sometimes which is like super windy and bad and you know like not the best conditions and you got on tour there's always there's going to be one event that's going to be really bad sometimes but sure. Most of it, it's going to be perfect waves, you know, like pumping. They always choose the best days. And we got like 10 days of waiting period that we can choose the best day. And how that guy that been on the QS for like 10 years, you know, going to get there on the first year winning event. So hard to do that. Yeah. And that guy that can actually do that, you know, he's a really good surfer, you know, yeah. to adapt, you know, from one, one thing that he was so used to do to just a completely different new thing you know like new criteria new way of surfing new yeah. waves and um different routine and all that you know but that was that was actually a big um a big thing for me you know because i know you know I was, I was being honest with me and when i qualified i was like am i ready to do that you right. know like and you were like, set seven i 17. was uh 16 to 17 yeah yeah that's yeah. young man yeah so i was like well uh, I don't think I'm ready to do that. You know, like Mick Fanning was surfing, Andy Ireland surfing, Joel, you know, Kelly. I was like, Frick, you know what I'm doing here? And I was just like, okay, I'm just, you know, going to surf and try to improve and watch them and see what's going on and just try to learn, you know, and that's what I did, you know, because I, I had so many people just like, oh, you're not ready. You're not going to last one year in there. You know, I was like, man, I don't need to hear that, you know. <laughs> I'm going to do it for myself, not for you guys. And and I did it. You know, I survived the first year. Yeah. And the second year was better. Third year was a little better. You know, like just improving every year. And now, I mean, I'm not saying I'm a complete surfer, but I feel like from this year, like today and, you know, first year I got on tour, I'm like 200% better. You know, I mean, you're also, because you qualified 16, 17, you're yeah. also physically becoming like a man. Yeah. You know, like, and that's a big deal. Growing like, muscles yeah. and getting heavier and training and all And you that. have to calibrate your equipment because you're getting yeah. bigger and you kind of yeah. just have to settle into that 
I, I think that that's one of the big things that is unappreciated is the level that jumps between the QS and the CT. Like even yeah. before I was working here, I was like an asshole because it's like <laughs> you watch the events and you're like, number 44 sucks. <laughs> Not watching who's it. <laughs> but, and then you go and you like, you know, and then I get a job and I'm like, I better be nice. And you, you go out and you surf with them and you're yeah. like, that's the best surfer I've ever seen in my oh life. My God, what is he doing in the water? It's, it's crazy. Just, yeah, it's it is insane. crazy. Do, but do you think there is maybe a level between the top five and the rest of the 34? Or do you feel like it's one of those things where on any given day, anyone can beat anyone else? Um, I think, you know, what makes that difference, you know, it's uh, the start of the year sometimes, you know, that first half you know the the ranking starts really good and you know a couple of event a couple of wins semifinals final and then by the middle of the year you know there's that five or six guys that kind of projecting for a world title race and i think you know what makes the difference it's how you observe that pressure that all those people looking at you and sucking your energy in some way asking you to do a lot or you know just cheering for you in a way that you're like oh my god i gotta do it you know i gotta do it. i gotta better be good i gotta win an event and that's when the best one's gonna win the world title you know like psychologically saying you know i think it's really similar andy irons um said this a long time ago he said everyone everyone wants you to win your first world title yep. and as soon as you do everyone wants you to lose <laughs> and and it's probably you can apply that to being in the front you yeah. know, do you, you're in the front right now. Yeah. Do you like being in the front or do you like to be hunting? You know, it's, um, it's a hard question. Everyone wants to be number one position, but once you get there and then you actually feel how gnarly it is to be number one. Spot, <laughs> spotlight. Yeah. You know, you have a target on your back. Everyone's trying to hit that target. You're just like, oh my God, you know, I got, got to go, got to go, got to make heat. I get, you know, yeah. you got to do more press. You got to yeah. do more sponsor things. You it's so more, many yeah. more obligations that you got to do, you know, and that's what I did to myself last year, I think. Mm. You know, I, I, I put so much pressure on my on my back and you're just like, I have to, I, you know, I have to make hits. I have to win this event. Just watching, you know, the other guys, he's just like, oh my God, he's going to make it. And then be mad that he make his heat. I was like, what? You know, like this year, and then I did that. I was like, why I was doing that? You know, so dumb, you know, like, and I mean, this year, it don't really matter being number one or being number two or three. What really matters to me, it's surf. And if I'm happy, you know, if I'm not happy, it doesn't really matter. You know, if I'm number one and I'm just like struggling, just like psychologically, just, oh man, you know, like, oh, you're not living life, you know, not enjoying surfing the way I actually do every time I'm free surfing. And that's what I'm doing this year. Just taking that pressure off, just like relaxing and surfing and enjoying and actually being happy for my, you know, the other competitors, not just for the Brazilian or my friends, you know, just mm -hmm. for the other guys. Just like, oh man, that was sick. That wave was insane. He should have made that heat. And you're just like, you know, cheering for them. And as soon as I start doing that, every Everything started working way better for me. The answer for a question is like, I don't really matter. Yeah. Being number one or being number three, it feels good to be number one, of course. Have that yellow jersey. You know, I think I look cool in yellow. <laughs> um, I think sometimes being the, the underdog, it's uh, kind of more, you know, like more relaxing, you know, position to like, okay, I don't got not, nothing to lose, you know, like, sure. and just going to go there and smash that guy and be number one. Yeah. But you know, it's uh, it's hard when you when you're number one, you actually feel that pressure. But as you said too, like you've learned something. You're always learning things, yeah. you know. And it sounds like you've learned. You've at least analyzed last year, and now you're applying that to this year. Yeah. I want to talk about one more thing um, because family is something that's come up a lot, and you're it's something that's super important to you. Yep. And you're a father now. Explain to me a little bit about 
your motivation in terms of performance, both in competition, out competition, just as a surfer, um, before and after becoming a father? You know, when you're single and you don't have kids or a wife or none of these obligations, you're just like, okay, I'm cruising, I'm surfing, enjoying life. If I want to do a surf trip, I'll do a surf trip or, you know, like, okay, I got my mom and dad here, but they're all saddle. You know, I got them. They're, they're really good. They're living their lives. And once you have a wife and two kids and house and, you know, all these obligations, you're like, okay, now it's game on. And you look at your kid every time you come back from contests and you have like four days at home, you're just like, oh man, I'm going again, you know, like, and you're just that energy when you're home, when you have your kids with you, you know, you, you do it for them. It's uh, no matter what, no matter what's going to happen, you're going to do it for them. And, you know, it's it's funny sometimes for me, you know, like three minutes remaining, I still need a score. I'm losing. And, you know, I just close my eyes, think about them. You're just like you get that energy from from them they're at home and just that energy comes from the from home you know it's just like okay let's go it's still like a minute and a half now I, you know i can get the score and um you know it's it's something different it's family man family changes you and you know being a father there's so many things that i'm scared off to do right now you know like just even surfing competing you know like tahiti i was like man what if something happens to me you know i'm not gonna see my family again and but at the same time you're like i'm here doing for them and okay i'm gonna go it, you know it's like but it's it's really fun, man. It's it's amazing. There's not nothing that I wanted more, to, you know, to to be in my life than than being a dad and um, having you know a family to take care of and a family to take care of me on the hard times and um, you know and actually when I get back home, I'm not going places trying to find people and parties and all that. I just go home and I know I have my really happy place over there. You know, it's uh, it's um, it's That's something awesome, really man. special. Right. Before you go, we're gonna do the lightning round. All right. All right. What, what, what is it? I'm you, scared. Uh, you, you, you should be. <laughs> uh, I guess I okay. Lightning round questions. So 10 questions. You answer them as fast as you can. Okay. One board setup for the rest of your life. Single fin, twin fin, thruster, quad, bonzer, or finless. Oh, uh, twin fin. Twin fin. Twin okay. fin. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Burrito or pizza? Damn, Sean. Come on. Oh, I go pizza. Brazilian pizza. Oh, what's the difference? Oh, uh, they're much more filling it. Oh, right. uh, yeah. It's like okay. proper. Right. <laughs> you should try one in Brazil. Doesn't Jadson have a pizza company? Oh, yeah, he does. Okay, I'll ask him. He has pizza for free, man. I'm going to ask him. I know. Last book you read? <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> Best surf film ever? Best surf film ever? Three Degrees. One wave you never have to go back to? I've never had to go back to? One wave you don't want to go back to. Okay, that took too much already. Too <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> If you only get to surf one way for the rest of your life. For the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. J-Bay. J-Bay. Best person to share a lineup with? A war two surfer. <laughs> Worst person to share a lineup with? Oh, God. Okay, I'll go back. I'll go back okay, on the first right, question. Best person to share a lineup with? Okay, my brother. Worst person to share a lineup with? A war two surfer. <laughs> <laughs> that is a consistent answer. <laughs> Last one. Finish this sentence. I will next achieve a state of happiness by... Winning a war title. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, brother. Yeah, brother. So that's it. That's the lineup's November 2019 conversation with Sao Paulo's Felipe Toledo. I hope you enjoyed it. The Oi Rio Pro has commenced and is streaming live at worldsurfleague.com and the WSL app. Do not miss it. This episode is produced by Henry Beyer with art direction by Jason Penning, copywriting by Dan Willen, and additional support from Miguel Clemente. 
Thanks to them and thanks to our sponsors. We appreciate their support. I hope you safely get some waves wherever you are and we'll see you next Tuesday. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup.